week five. Welcome to week five of Divine Direction. Seven decisions change your life. You're like, but I'm only here on five. I didn't see one through four. Um, they're online somewhere, and somebody who's not as much a space cadet as me can tell you where to find them. I think Facebook, at Three Taverns, you can find them and, uh, on the app, and people can tell you that. And you really want to get caught up because the first four decisions we made, the first decision we made was the decision to start something that would give us an even better ending to our story, just one new discipline. And, man, we, we did a poll, like, one morning, and it was like people are like, everything from flossing to changing their finances, being more gracious, uh, being more, like, what, like, respecting their parents. It was just all over the place. Um, the second decision we made was to stop one thing that was hindering us. And, of course, immediately you come to buy anything as a habit, cheesecake, you know, whatever it is that's got you down that you're trapped by. But there were so many other things, too, just like um, my decision for stopping was to stop the negative self-talk. Um, I have a, a long history of just abuse, uh, not me abusing people, but uh, maybe being the recipient. And, and so I have some things embedded in me. Anybody ever do these things? Like, I'm not worth it. Oh, I'm just wrong. I give up, right? And so that's my stop this year. So if you hear me say something like that, look at me and go, I'm not hugging you. Fix it, you know? And, uh, um, so, and then the third decision was a decision to stay when it might be easier to go. And, like, you know, into those stressful times and stuff, and we really need to finish the task, sometimes we want to check out. And so the decision was to just, we're going to make one, just pick one. You don't do, like, don't do all your habits at once. It's just recipe for failure, right? Because you guys have already forgotten your New Year's resolutions, right? Okay, so, so you just want to pick one and just work on one thing at a time. But it was, it was just like, this is a place where I know I should stay and I should finish this and I'm knuckle down. I'm going to bear up and I'm going to finish this. I'm going to gut it through. And you know that's where you get a better ending to your story, right? Because you get those success stories. Like, man, it stank, but, you know, we stuck it. And then last week, which week four, we did go, which is just, we just told you to stay. But it's, it was like, make a, make a commitment just to be open to taking a step of faith to start that new business, that new relationship, that new thing, that new venture, that new journey, maybe a place where you're helping other people, whatever it is, but to just say, you know, it would be far easier to stay comfortable where I'm at but, but I'm, I'm going to go, even though it might be more comfortable to stay, to be open to that. And hopefully you picked your thing, like just an opportunity that's been there. I have four, and, and I'm trying to pursue all four at once. It's, again, recipe for disaster, but that's who I am. So everybody's trying to help me get control of my life. But, you know, whatever that dream is. Okay, cool. All right. So those four decisions set us up for the next three decisions. They, they just a total setup. Like th- those four decisions are just, that's it. If you make those four decisions, those four choices, what you're gonna see is God is gonna call you, right? You know, call you, or you're gonna feel compelled to make the next three. So if you got the four down, the next three are coming, and you got it. And what they are is this, the decision to serve, the decision to connect with the community, we all need people, and then the decision to trust God with the outcome. If you make these last three decisions, the decision to serve, to connect with community, and trust God with the outcome, they're gonna be a catalyst for this. It's really cool for you to grow with God, just grow closer to God. If you don't know him at all, to if you know him. Either way, grow closer with God. To rewrite the ending of your story to be even better than it is already, and to just find transformation. There's just no way that you can serve, connect, right? You just can't serve, connect, and trust God without this cool life change happening. You know, you just can't. So let's get started. Uh, today we're only gonna deal with one of these last three, and it's B, 
become a servant. And I phrase it that way because the decision really is to serve others, but the best way to serve others is to kind of change who you are, to become a servant, okay? Now, anybody ever found it challenging to carve out a day of your time to help somebody move? <laughs> yeah, dreaded, right? We have a thing here where we say, Tim and I are like, Let's tell us how far you're moving and get a quote for how much it costs because I'd rather write a check than load a truck, right? And then you have a new friend and like, oh, okay, and you're like, we have not been dating long enough for this. No way, I don't wanna move. But, but whether it's moving things or just stopping to like serve your spouse, right? You know, I'm just constantly reminded, I'm so, I, I'm in a place where I'm just really, really blessed and so I'm constantly looking for places where I can return a 10th of what I've been given you know, make the biscuit, make the breakfast, do something to serve, you know, in that relationship you have. Kids serving your parents, like just freak them out, have everything done. You know, whatever it is at work, but it's just that it, it, that stuff is not easy, right? Like we have to work at it. Anybody else have to work at it? You have to work at thinking I need to do this for somebody else? Yeah? Do you want to know why? It's because we're self-centered. <laughs> we are. And, and, and it's okay I wanna tell you where it comes from, but first I wanna tell you this, straight up, it's an inherited disease. So it's like a genetic disease, a spiritual disease. We are born self-centered. You do not have to teach children, anybody have kids? You don't have to teach kids to be self-centered, correct? Okay, and you don't have to, so we're just always fighting against it. So it's just like we're born, why are we selfish? Why are we self-centered? But we're born that way. So I just wanna tell you why. There is an actual reason why. That in the Bible, there's this record of the first man and woman, Adam and Eve. You've probably heard of them, right? The apple and the first sin. And if you haven't, these two wonderful people got to walk with God like he was there in the garden. It was really cool. And there was this point where they said, you know what? We kind of want to direct our own lives. We want to make our own choices. We want to do our own thing. This God thing is limiting us. Now, see, I get that because... I didn't grow up in a Christian family. And I was afraid of becoming a Christian or a follower of God because I thought he was gonna drop the 10 commandments on me and then a bunch of other stuff. And basically he was gonna steal my fun. He was gonna, I wouldn't have control of my life. I had, you know, Baptist church, it's the first church I went to and they, I surrender all. That was the song they sing every week. And I'm like, I don't know if I wanna surrender you. Everybody I've surrendered to, it's a bad thing. But you had this point where Adam and Eve were like that, and they were just kind of like, no, I want to do it myself. And we kind of know how that turned out, right? It didn't turn out too well. On your own was not really the way we were designed. We were designed to do this with God. But what they did in that moment that they decided, they kind of thumbed their nose at God and said, you know, yours, um, we're going to do this on our own. We're going to make this decision ourselves. We want to be like you. We want to be in control. They abandoned divine direction. Before that, they had direction moment by moment from God, but they abandoned that. And then there's this weird consequence because that's our forefather and our foremother. Trace it all the way back. Red and yellow, black and white, tall, skinny, old, young, all of us have the same origin story. It's an origin story of two people who were hard-headed, bull-headed, and chose to do it on their own. Now, they kind of repented. They kind of fixed that later on, but it changed something for all of us, and you can sense that if you have to struggle with being selfish, if you have to struggle with being self-centered, then you get it, you got the disease, okay? So, so what's the cure? Like, that's a pretty hopeless thing. So I'm gonna tell you that what you should do is just make the decision to serve. But it's gonna suck, it's gonna be hard, and you can't really do it because you're diseased. But there is a solution. In the same way the Bible kind of describes how we got this way, 
the Bible describes how to get out. Okay. So the key is to go back to our original divine design. Like, how did he design men and women to be? Why is it so frustrating to be who we are today, kind of broken? Well, if you look at Jesus' words, so you've got to look at it this way. So if ever there were a person who walked this earth, the Son of God, Jesus, would be the model for probably his original design. He came here, he didn't sin. He came here, he loved everybody. He came here, he even died for us. Right? Like he gave his life. He jumped in front of the bus and pushed us out of the way. He forgives us. When he died, he rose from the dead. He conquered death. I mean, this is a pretty momentous thing. But if ever there were anyone, right, it would be the Son of God. It would be Jesus. That would be the, the role model. And then all of a sudden we're like, well, we can't do that. Just hang tight. What I want to do is just look at how he described his life when it comes to this area, area of serve. Okay? The very first thing that he said when it, when it came to serve was this. And it was as he called us, he said this, whoever wants to be my disciple, that's a fancy word for follower, okay? Whoever wants to follow me must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. That seems pretty logical. If I want to follow him, I gotta follow him. But he added this thing in there. What'd he say? You have to deny yourself, take up your cross. For those of you who didn't grow up in the Bible, um, Taking up your cross meant something to them. What it meant is you were gonna live a life that you were willing to die for what was good. You were willing to die for what you believed. Again, it's just a reflection of who he was. He died on a cross. He brought forgiveness. He conquered death. In order to complete his mission, he had to climb a hill and die. So what he was saying is this. You need to be willing to deny yourself. What's that? Put others first. That's the beginning of service, right? Put others first, do whatever you can for their best. So we think of it as changing tires and on cars and making dinners and breakfasts and letting other people get ahead of us in line, and that all is service. But like he did this ultimate act of service, right? And what he's saying to us is we need to be willing to put ourselves second. We need to be willing to deny ourselves, and we need to be willing to pay whatever price it is to make your life better. So that was his call, that was the beginning. So the assignment for me is what? Let's look. This is the way he described his mission, Jesus did on earth. This was it. My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish the work. His entire mission statement was what? Whatever God says, what his plan, I'm gonna do and I'm gonna finish it. So again, if you didn't grow up in the Bible, let me tell you what God's plan is. God said, it's my will that every single person find me and find eternal life. I want them to come home. They were designed, their divine design, to do this with me, not to do it alone. And then he finished the task by making a way. So his entire plan, his mission while on earth was this. So if he's that perfect kind of picture of the divine design, then what? Part of my design really needs to be trying to save the world and putting other people before me. And, and I would argue this, you know when you try to do something against the flow, there's never fulfillment? But you know that, right? You, every one of us has done something kind for somebody and unexpected when they needed it. And they're like, get tears in their eyes, like, thank you so much. No matter what it was, from babysitting to sitting in a hospital to fixing their car to giving them money when they needed it, 
and you look at that look in their eyes and don't you feel a sense of fulfillment? It's because you're living out your divine design. So part of my mission needs to be what? To, to shift from being a consumer and become a contributor. So we were, I was designed, I was designed, you were designed to be givers, not getters. To get that, we were designed to take the needs of others and make them first and focus on them, not focus on ours. And then he designed us really, like Jesus, to, to grab on a hold of what he wanted to do. He wants to save the world, he wants to love the world, he wants to redeem the world, to grab that assignment and be passionate about what he wants, maybe not so much about what I want. Like there's things I wanna do. Anybody else wanna do? Like, I really want to go camping. <laughs> so a friend of mine is getting ready to sell his camper, I think. We were talking about it. And, but, but I was listening to him, and it's basically like this is boats and campers seem to have a burn time. You get them, and you use them, and then nobody ever does. You just sold yours. Everybody's selling their campers, their RVs. And so I'm sitting there thinking to myself, well, I really, I really do. I really want to go camping with Amber and stuff. And if you know me, this is counterintuitive to anything. I'm much more of a hotel dude. But, um, <laughs> you know, but I have this, but, but then I look and I'm like, you know, 15 grand? And I started thinking about the needs of the people around me. And not just the monetary needs, but how that money could be invested in something that yielded salvation for somebody or life. And it just gets difficult. Do you see how this... You see how this kind of works, right? So the idea is that I get passionate about his plan, which is your guys' lives changing, your guys' lives changing, being transformed. You getting a, what? You getting closer to God and, and you starting to rewrite your story so it has a better ending. It's a far better investment. More Jesus words. When Jesus said, the greatest among you will be your servant. What? Okay, that doesn't see, that's totally counterintuitive to human nature, right? Because human nature is what? Self-centered. Recently, we were talking to somebody down at the daycare. Uh, you know, it's one of our three objectives for the year is the daycare downstairs, serving the community with super, super, super great daycare, just exceptional daycare that's affordable. We have great teachers. We have everything. Somebody was trying to make a decision about their career path, and they were thinking about doing something bigger in the daycare, you know, like bigger, you know, directors and assistant directors. They were talking about moving up, moving on up, right? And I just I looked at him and I said this. Do you know what the most important job in the daycare is? Because y'all know what it is, right? Not the director, not the assistant director, not the person cleaning. The most important position in a daycare is the teacher. The, the Zen Buddhists get this. Did you know when you rise up all through the ranks, you become a priest and then an abbot, do you know where you end up? The highest position in Zen Buddhism? I know, just don't freak out. I'm telling you, people who are trying to figure God out have figured God out better than Christians. The highest position in Zen Buddhism is to cook. When you've done everything else, you go and you work in the kitchen and you serve people. That is the final position and you die, I guess, in the kitchen. Hopefully not while cooking my food. But isn't that what he said? When he said this, for even the son of man, that's Jesus' name for himself, for even Jesus, me, came not to what? Be served, but to serve others and give his life as a ransom for many. In other words, when he climbed that hill and he died and then he rose from the dead, that's the ransom for many. But look at the service part. His whole point in arriving down here and talking to other humans was to what? 
serve them. He said again and again, I didn't come to be served, I came to serve. He washed people's feet, he, he, he fed them, he, he was just so down to earth, but his entire ministry was upside down. And I've long said that probably the greatest sign of spiritual maturity that I look for when I'm just looking where people are at is that they're servants. Because you have to conquer so much. We have to conquer our self-centeredness. We have to conquer what? That disease of selfishness that's in us, that spiritual genetic disease that we get. But the point is, is Jesus did it. Others have done it who followed God, and we can too. And if we can master this idea of serving others, serving the world, serving our families, serving our bosses, serving in relationships, we can change. I, I am so sick and tired of everybody saying it's hopeless. 80% of Cobb County, the county that we're in, doesn't go to church at all. I'm not saying they're, I'm, not, I'm just saying they don't go anywhere. They don't go to Zimbuda, they don't go to Catholic, they don't go to any, they don't go anywhere. And they say, I just, I may believe in God, but I don't believe. And a bunch of my friends and a bunch of people and the news people and the Christians and the Christian writers are all like, oh, we're doomed, Christianity's dying. I'm done with that. I serve a God who is mighty and awesome and came and washed feet and somehow, 2,000 years later, I'm forgiven. Can you imagine if we became the people who, in a modern sense, were willing to wash somebody's feet, to serve them a meal, to put them before us, to make time in our schedule to actually spend time with them and go, hey, God loves you. Just, I know. Not make them projects, make them friends. But Jesus' whole description, from the moment he called people to the way he described his mission and the way he lived his life, was service. Now, there's a little crux, a little problem here. I've got, I gotta kind of polish it out because I don't want you to become like me. How many of you, when I say you're, just gonna, you're gonna get a grade, I'll just take this front row, y'all ready? Okay. You're gonna get a grade by the end of today. It's gonna be an A, a B, a C, or a D, or an F. F, the floor opens up and you go, blah, straight to hell. You're done, that's it. You good? D, I don't know what happens. It opens part of the way, some of you slide in. Okay? A's, B's, and C's, your end C's by the skin of your teeth. Okay? And then I say, now what you need to do is this, this, and this. And immediately, what are you thinking? I'm only good enough if I do this, this, and this. The fancy name for that in psychology and business is performance-oriented. You know, you're just always trying to do the right thing so somebody will like you. And the right thing can change. Like your mom, she's like, you know, really manipulative, and she wants acts, so you try to perform to get mom's approval. And your boss is this way, so you try to perform to get their approval. And you're just always doing, 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 because we're supposed to do, right, to be good. Anybody have that disease, performance-oriented? If you don't, you stink as an employee because you should be performance-oriented as an employee. So anybody didn't raise your hand, don't, don't apply for a job here. Don't. <laughs> I want driven, performance-oriented people when it comes to work because work is eight hours, and by God, I want you to work, and I want you to work like you want a paycheck. That's performance-oriented. But when it comes to spirituality and love and relationships, that is a terrible plan. So when we say, right, one of the important decisions you need to make is to serve, a lot of people just go out and they just serve, 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 serve. And then they go, I did my stuff. Anybody been to this church? Well, I go to Sunday school and I go on Wednesdays and I do this and I do that. And you're like, yeah, you're still mean. 
Anybody ever met that person? I'm a Christian, and I do this, and I do that, and I give to the poor, and you're still a jerk. You're embarrassing the rest of us. We're an embarrassment enough. Get it? So we know that doing things doesn't, it's not going to make us a Christian. There's this verse from Ephesians that says this. God saved you by his grace, meaning it was a gift. He was just like, here it is. If you want it, you can have it. And you can't take credit for it. You just believe. It's a gift from God. It's not a reward for the good things you've done. Did you hear that? You being saved is not a reward for the good things you did. It is a gift he gave. There's not enough good that any of us can do. There's not enough service we can do to get to heaven. You're not going to earn your way. I grew up Catholic in my Catholic faith, not everybody's, but in mine, everything was about do, 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 get into heaven. I studied Mormonism after Catholicism, and they told me if I did, 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 had lots of babies, and did, 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 and gave them lots of money, I would get a planet in the end. Everything was performance-based, but that's not what God, you, you need to remember this. He offers you salvation. He offers you forgiveness, and if you get it, it's a free gift, and it only comes by faith. But the other side of the scale is this. If you really do encounter God and you really begin to get a closer relationship with him, you begin to rewrite your story by making healthy decisions and you get transformed, we all know you're going to be a nicer person. And service should be a result. A really great Christian named James wrote this. You show me your faith without your works. You know that guy we just described? And I'll show you my faith, what? By my works or with my works. So the idea was this. You're not going to win any points for doing works, but if you really believe in God, you should be filled with love. Service should result. All right, so service isn't what we do. It's really who we are. It comes from deep inside of us. It's the idea that, that if through service, right? I get closer to God. Through service, I begin to rewrite a better story. It's a story about the success of others. It's a story about saving the world. And through service, I not only transform others, but I become transformed. Every act of service brings fulfillment and a closer walk with God, and, and I'm changed. He, he told us to serve. He told us to take care of the poor. He told us to take care of each other. He told us to be there. He told us to outserve one another. And all that reminds me of these words that Craig Rochelle wrote in the book, Divine Direction, that started this whole series, said this, as with all seven decisions, your choice, right, to serve others, to put their needs first, determines the stories that you'll tell about your life tomorrow. It seeds for wonderful stories and a wonderful ending in our lives. And it all boils down to this. One question. Every week we've asked one question. You ready? Who and where will you serve? Hearing this, hearing it's how you're designed, hearing that this is what God wants, that the Lord wants, that hearing that this is the model that Jesus showed on earth, who and where will you serve? So I just want you to think just for 10 seconds. Just, I'm going to be talking. Just think. Who can you serve? Who on your street can you serve? Who at your work can you serve? How about in your marriage? Do you, are you on autopilot? Are you? If you're a dude, let me speak to you directly. Does she cook? Does she do laundry? Does she clean? And you play video games? 
is she your mom or is she your partner? I want to tell you something. A lot of guys, they think, like, there's no romance in my marriage. No wonder. Women don't like to sleep with their kids. Are you a kid? Or are you in this together? Are you in it 100% out serving each other? How about at work? Not just making your boss a gate and serving the company and what they're trying to do. They make widgets. You're going to make great widgets. But how about serving your staff? Give them the win. Train them. Raise them up to be greater than you. How do we serve? We put others' needs and, and, the, and the future of others beyond ours. And maybe nobody will know your story until they all gather at your gravesite and say, I would have never been in management without this guy. And hundreds of them stand around and just tell the praises of how you changed your life. Nobody ever knows until that moment. Who and where will you serve? Here, in this place, where will you serve? Who will you give your chair for? What cup of coffee will you get? Whatever it is, who's, who will you stop to listen to their story? Because people need to tell their story. And some of you, like me, right, have some pretty cruddy stories, and you need to heal from those. And who and where will you serve? So the step you need to take is just take 24 hours and just sit down sometime today before you go to bed and figure out who and where you, you're going to serve. Do that. If you want to serve here, maybe donate your time in the daycare, man. It's blessed parents and blessed kids. You want to serve in this church, this community of believers, man, there's a thousand things you can do. But just ask, who and where will I serve? Because making that choice is going to get you closer to God. It's going to help you rewrite your story with an even better ending. And it's going to transform you and it's going to transform the world. So write it down and sleep on it. Take 24 hours. Maybe talk to your spouse or your mom, your dad, your best friend. Get a little rest. And when you get up on Tuesday morning, start that. It's like if you're going to serve me and your service is going to be, you're going to sneak in my house and brew incredible coffee and have breakfast ready for me at 6.30 in the morning. Tuesday, I'll give you the code to the door. Don't wake me up. Got it? But Tuesday, like don't... All these decisions are useless to change our lives if we don't make them, and they're all decisions that align with God. Cool? Got it? Right, so can you give me one more minute? If you're not a Christian, and you're a person who struggles with self-centeredness, it's hard to put other people first. It feels like a burden. It, feels like maybe you're being manipulated, whatever it is, then I want to suggest this as your decision for today. I know, but how can I not say it? Maybe your decision today needs to be to allow Christ to serve you, to allow Jesus to serve you, because that was his mission. That's what he came for. He came so you could have an abundant life. He came to set you free from all the self-centeredness. He came to make you a powerful person who, like Mother Teresa and all the other greats, could serve the world. He came to forgive you, to help you rewrite that story. So maybe your decision today is to say this. You know, I, want, I, I need you to serve me. Like, you rose from the dead. I need you to serve me. If you're wondering how that kind of life goes or how that prayer goes, the band and I are going to sing a song for you that I hope meets that need.